Welcome back to The Great Conversation. We are excited about this episode because it's already kicked off before we've even turned on the camera, a debate between what is an apology and what is apologetics? Are they the same thing? What like what? Are we, what's going on here? Okay, well, I mean, this comes up because we were going to have a conversation based off of our reading from Plato's Apology. Yes, and you were kind of I was waiting for him priming, to apologize. Well, you were priming me for some of your questions. Yeah, and talking about like never apologizing to the mob, yeah. and me just being like, okay, but it's apologetics, like a defense and explanation. Like this is where I stand. This is what I believe and why I believe it. Versus like, okay, yeah, we get the word apology. You know, you don't have to apologize or I apologize for what I did. Yeah, I apologize for my behavior. We use that word yeah. without actually giving the apology. Like what what was my defense of what I did and why I did it? So Okay, this is great. Okay, this actually gets into like my fifth question, which is never start with an apology. Okay. So I think a lot about like this year, there's been a lot of people who've gotten in trouble from the mob, so to speak, for okay. saying things they shouldn't have said. Okay. And what I noticed about Plato's Plato writing down Socrates words in defense mm -hmm. of court is he didn't apologize. He didn't start by saying, I'm so sorry. In a sense of what we use the word today. Exactly. Okay. And it's so interesting because if you see people apologize today to the mob, so to speak, it's more like tail between your legs. I, I'm so sorry. Don't don't cancel me. Where Socrates, I'm ashamed of what I did. Exactly. Where Socrates was like, kill me if you don't want to accept my apologetics. I will stand by what I said. Mm -hmm. I believe in what I said. I am doing what the God has called me to. And therefore, I will not apologize. But here is a defense of my action. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he standing up um, before the court. And giving an explanation is very different because I think in today's world, they don't, nobody wants to hear an explanation of why you did something. And maybe yeah. if you think that it's right or wrong, why you did something, or maybe you were just misunderstood. Maybe the, the group of people that heard you didn't hear you correctly or didn't understand the context. And there is no room for an apologetic. And, yeah. and even in um, Plato's writings, Socrates was like constantly saying, please don't interrupt me. Please yeah, wait. Yeah, that was so interesting. Listen to my argument. Yeah. Don't interrupt me. So clearly there was some some talk some in the background. Some hecklers or yeah. something. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. And so like really one thing that stood out to me was, was that exactly. was the fact of he wanted to say why he said it. He was determined to say his apologetics and it just caught me off guard because i was expecting him to give an apology yeah so bringing it you know kind of more current times like you use kind of the mob of don't apologize to the mob but i kind of want to even bring it to the faith of christianity because we talk about apologetics a lot yeah in our own of our faith, faith. Yep. of we might be attacked by people that don't believe the same thing as us and asked why do you believe this why do you do this why do you say these things and we as a body of Christians don't always have strong apologetics. We don't have a clear answer to people about why we believe something, what we believe, and why it leads us to do certain things in our life. We think lawyers and judges should know this terminology, this lingo of how to defend yourself. And hmm. But then in the day-to-day, Christians being an example, we don't believe that we should have an, a strong apologetic for why we believe things. Or if you come, you know, if you're from another faith or if you have another belief system, what are your apologetics? Can you stand and say to the mob, you're attacking me in this way, but I stand strong in this and I'm willing to die on this ground. Well, you know? that's, that's what stood out to me is he asked questions to his 
uh, critic or to the person who was accusing him. Yeah, his accusers. He really didn't make many brash statements. He just asked questions and then he allowed their answers to be his defense, mm. which I thought was so interesting. Right, that's the Socratic method, right? That's where yeah, we get that yeah. is the constant questions of just like pulling out answers from people by just asking them questions. Yeah. If you're too quick to defend yourself, you might defend yourself on the wrong terms, mm. right? And so what he did is he found out why he was being critiqued and then he could ask better clarifying questions to, in essence, set himself free. Yeah. And I feel I myself, I am so quick to speak before clarifying why I've been accused mm. or even speak before even just, you know, clarifying what the conversation's about, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I often want to input my, my ideas and my knowledge before I even know what we're talking about just because I want to talk. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be super dangerous. Yeah. I think that we all do that. And that's how people can quickly trap us in our own words because mm. we didn't understand the context or, and I think that we, a lot of times do this in a way that maybe we don't agree with we see people trapped in their words that maybe they were kind of an innocent party they weren't trying to attack or um do anything wrong just you know as socrates was like you call me an evildoer because of these things that i do well let's yeah. lay this out let me ask you some questions does this look like evil to you yeah. because if we flip it on its head is it an evil thing well i think the thing is our biases are often the formation of our truth Right. And so I think what happens is we don't actually listen to the question if we even ask the question. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you notice, it starts out, and maybe there was more dialogue before this, but they're never really asking him questions. They're just saying, this is what you've done, period. Mm -hmm. And he ends up like talking to Mel Melitus. And Melitus, he's like, yo, what's your bone to pick with me? Because you clearly have no basis on what what you're accusing me of you're just kind of throwing darts at this idea that i like i'm an atheist or something and then he basically like challenges him and he says well by your response about me i'm not an atheist mm -hmm. so i think lesson number one learned for me personally is is always ask questions ask questions till the end till they literally can't think of a possible further question to ask I think that's really what walked, I walked away from. Before we get into maybe some more of my questions, what, what did you walk away from from what we've read so far? I think so far the idea of wisdom, and we talked about this this morning, that ah, we think we are so wise. Yes. And Socrates felt as if he had been called by a god to go out and show the world and prove to the world that in our wisdom we are actually not wise whereas socrates was like okay i don't think i'm wise and yet the god calls me the wisest man on earth i love that statement and that's because i actually realized that i don't have wisdom that i don't know you know he went to the lawmakers the artists the poets and they had yeah. all these great ideas yes. but yet they didn't even know why they had written those things or created that art and so Obviously, wisdom was something that he valued, but he realized that no man had it. And in that knowing, he, he was wise. In that knowing, in the knowing of what? Knowing that he was not, like he had not learned everything? Right, that we do not have all of the knowledge that we need in yeah. life, that we, were, we are always on a quest. We should always be on a quest for more knowledge yeah. and how we apply that knowledge and then gaining wisdom. And I feel, before we go into virtue, if you feel trapped... In your unknowledge, so to speak, mm -hmm. it's not a bad place to be. I think the person who's trying to trap you may be the person who's actually more afraid of not having knowledge because they want to look to be knowledgeable. Yeah. So in a sense, if you feel trapped by a person that is superior to you, that you might feel is superior to you intellectually, you can take heart that 
well, he thinks he or she thinks she has arrived. I have an opportunity to continue to learn. And so I will not feel defeated by my perhaps unknowledgeable current state of being. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think here's the line specifically. Well, although I do not suppose that either of us knows anything really beautiful and good, I am better off than he is. For he knows nothing and thinks that he knows. And I neither know nor think that I know. And in this latter particular, then I seem to have the slight, I seem to have slightly the advantage of him because what he realizes is there's more information out there. So I have to go get it. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. Yeah. And I, as I was reading and I know, obviously we all speak differently. I know in my family, some people get accused of being too harsh because they use such plain language. Is that you? Me and some others. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm working on that, trying to communicate yeah. with some people that maybe the the plainness of my language is too harsh. And I think that I saw that in writing with Socrates, that his idea to go out and reveal to these people that they aren't wise, I, I was a little... Um, put on edge by that because I thought, okay, Socrates, it's okay for you to go out and ask these people these questions, but why do you say to them, you are not wise, sir? I mean, he said, I didn't, un I didn't know that I had created so many enemies by telling mm. them this. And I'm thinking really telling somebody that they are, they're a fool, that they're a fool yeah. to especially a man. And if they're a prominent figure in, in Athens and yeah. you think that's not going to yeah, turn Yeah, this is like the intellectual you? hub of like, the world at the moment, yeah, right? Yeah, you think yeah. going and asking them all these questions that puzzle them, all yeah. these um, riddles, and they can't answer them, and then telling them, well, you don't have any wisdom, and the <laughs> God told me that I needed to come and prove to all of you that you have no wisdom. And I understand that as a prominent figure of history, so Socrates is going to go down in history forever, yes, right? Yes, yes. That in a sense, he was giving of his life to change the way things were and are today. He gave of himself in a way that he created all of these enemies and he gave his life so that we could stop and say, okay, maybe we don't know everything. Do we do that? Do we look at ourselves and say, I have something to give to the world. I might be persecuted for it. I might be hated. I'm willing to give my life, but yeah. I think that it is the good of, of our culture today and it will change history forever. He was so convicted of that that he said, I would rather die mm -hmm. than, than take, here, here's the line specifically, never avoid possible good over a certain evil. Should we fear doing good by death alone? Fear rather to live in dishonor. So he said, I fear rather living in dishonor than mm -hmm. I do fear death. Right. And it was, you know, it was convicting because like how many of us live that sort of conviction right and that's where i kind of got the original thought of this whole episode being never apologize to the mob because i misinterpreted what you know you said about apologetics and he was using apologetics to defend himself and so as we talk as we grow as we have conversations how do we stand in a practice of apologetics or do we cower in a stance of apology mm. Right. You have two, you have two decisions. You have two choices. That's it. You either apologize or you perform your apologetics. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's one of the most important lessons that I took away from it. It's just off the get. Yeah. And I think that we have to be so strong in our conviction, but we also have to check our conviction and be willing to have open ears of, is this conviction correct? Because we can interpret Ooh, things. We can last week foundations, right? Right. You know, I mean, somebody might have a conviction that a certain group of people need to be eradicated. Yeah. And obviously that should be checked because yeah. that that is 
whether you say it, that that a god came down and told you that that is okay or not like that needs to be checked with the foundations of is this right or wrong that yes. a certain people group should never just be wiped off the face of the earth yeah because you dislike them and feel like they're they're not worthy of living anymore yeah absolutely and and i think that that was something that maybe at that time Socrates was putting forth a question that was not harming people that, other than oh their goodness. ego. Yes. That's what I was going to bring up. Continue, continue. So he was not harming a group of people. And so we talk about today, you know, like the free hate, speech, hate, hate speech. speech. Yeah. 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 Is it is it harming a group of people? And so at his time, I feel like it was pretty clear that he was not harming a, a group of people by asking if they had wisdom, do they need to grow in knowledge? Is there more to learn? Yeah. Um, as far as I could tell by reading his this work. And whereas today, just because you have a conviction, it should still be checked by people. Yeah, it should be checked and it should be a discussion rather than you take a violent stance. It should be always a discussion first. Um, and before you go to war, whether a mass world war or a, you know, civil world war, mm -hmm. civil world war or a civil war. Yeah. And I think. They, over language, do you mean by like a civil war, like over language? No, a civil war over like knives and guns. Like oh, you so should like always groups, discuss right? it first before war breaks right. out of violence. But I'm even thinking like war, even just like we were talking, we just mentioned hate speech. Obviously there's like war on speech right now and the way yeah. that we talk to certain people. Yeah. And then, I mean, then you get into the whole idea of like speech is not violence or speech is violence. Like there's a big debate on that right now. Mm -hmm. Like is speech violence? Mm -hmm. Well, speech can invoke violence, right? Like if you have enough people yelling, I hate that group or I hate that person or I hate that action or I hate that behavior, then you might spur violence from your speech. But you don't personally believe that speech is violence. I don't think speech itself is violence personally, but the speech it's a very fine line to where the speech invokes violence, mm -hmm. to where the speech invokes emotion and rage. Right. But I do think, so the question is obviously always, what is the result? Exactly. So violence, exactly. When, you're, when you're talking about violence, you're talking about a physical act that harms the physical body. Yes. Whereas speech- could is a yeah it could, okay. i mean intellectually or spiritually just the character of a person there is harm there right okay but then how do we have conversations like this right how do we have the great conversation to work through those things right and that's where the definition of hate speech comes in what is hate speech what is actually harming someone and that's even like what i just mentioned about the okay. way that i talk being very plain speech of just this is what i see and this is what it is and and the person that i'm talking to i have harmed people by not even realizing that I was doing it. And so that's where like this whole idea of like hate speech mm. is. I was saying something, but the person on the other side, it harmed them. So is that violence? Is that hate speech? So then my question is, how do you understand the person or the orator, the person speaking? How do you understand at which level you have to decease your tongue? Right. How, like, is there, is there a rule book? Like, what do we, what do we do in that <laughs> right. situation? I right? know. Or you're just a weak, weakling. You're a coward who can't handle strong speech or... Are you maybe the person speeching a raging lunatic that cannot control their tongue? Yeah. How do you govern that situation? Mm -hmm. And that's what we're running into right, right now in our world. Our world is is the governance of free speech because how do you decide what is hurtful speech and not hurtful speech? Where do you draw the line? Who makes the decision? Right? That's the struggle. That is the current landscape that we're in. I know. And Who gets it, to decide? And it is a it is a huge problem that doesn't really have a line of this is wrong, this is right. It doesn't. And 
it always, all of our problems come back to the family, the foundation, where what are we finding our value in? And this whole idea of I get to decide what's right and wrong. Nobody else does me personally. And that's why it's so dangerous for people to say that we create our own truth is because every person is going to create a different truth. Mm. And that's why we all have to have a similar foundation of what is right and wrong so that we can all care for each other. And it comes out of that spirit of we're all humans and we have to value humans from the start. Like this is my biggest passion is that if we cannot value a human from the second they are a human, yeah. then how can we value anybody? Anybody. Like no yeah. matter what color you are, race you are, where you come from, background, your domestication, whatever it is, if we cannot value you from the second you become a human, then then who's to say what what time that is that we value you? But I think it does come back more to this smaller knit groups of really hearing people out in more of the one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yeah. And that person that maybe you thought there was hate speech there, maybe you need to actually get to know them. And mm -hmm. if it is a virtual relationship, if you just watch them on YouTube or listen to their podcast, maybe you need to go back and like actually hear out their values over time and see if what your judgment of what they just said really lines up with what they've what they've what said they've and said, done. What they said over the, the mass the of long, their, yeah, yeah, like give give a person a chance yeah. by looking at what their life is and not just that snippet that was cut out and thrown all over the internet and that person's all of a sudden someone who throws out hate speech. Love the apology so far, right? Like definitely some great conversation coming out of this. Whatever we do in exactly. life, we have to know why we are doing it. Exactly. To, in order to build a life you love to wake up to, you have to know what you're loving to wake up to and why you're waking up to it. Or else you are lulled to sleep along the rhythms of society mm -hmm. rather than living fully alive in conviction and knowing why you do things each day and having a defense for your, for your reason you're living. It's been a good episode. I hope you guys like the new setup. I've been working really hard to get this set up and I'm, I'm very excited about it. But overall, not to distract from the topic, which I felt was pretty, pretty hot topic today. Uh, we'd love to know what you think. We'd love to have you all comment, join the great conversation with us, and we can't wait for the next episode.